Today on our Tech for Business podcast, we're joined by Nate, our Director of Cybersecurity, and Andrew, our Security Incident Response Team Lead. October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and we'll recap incident scenarios and proactive measures you can take to prevent them. This week, we're talking about close calls. All personal information has been changed to protect confidentiality. Yeah, so I guess today, one of the things that uh, we could maybe just start off talking about is just some of the close calls that we've seen uh, when it comes to security incidents. Um, Number one, we'll never say (laughs) breaches or hacked unless uh, there is an actual compromised breach or hack. So through this, um, one of my first takeaways is please always say security incidents uh, for whenever you're communicating this type of stuff within your organization, um, because there may be legal ramifications to that. But that being said, um, close calls, there's a lot of different situations where we see um, organizations have some type of potential failure in some of the controls that they put in place to prevent a security incident. But then also there's maybe a second step that comes into play where it was successful. Um, And so one of the core concepts of this is defense in depth or security in layers is there's a reason why you have multiple layers is so that when one potentially fails you can maybe catch the threat at a second stage uh, before it becomes a bigger incident um so while we're going through this um Andrew and I do have some notes here (laughs) just because uh, we tend to communicate with customer names Obviously, we're not going to do that for the privacy of these organizations. So we're going to co- start calling out, you know, org one or two or three as we go through this. Um, but so in org one's situation here, we saw an incident where they did have endpoint detection response or EDR deployed in their environment. Um, if you're not familiar with what EDR is, we have podcasts about that, uh, you know, tons of resources, everything like that but they had edr in place and what we saw was one of their users downloaded some type of malicious software on that system and what happened at that point was we saw attempts to download additional malicious software Um, and so the software was used to try and download uh, the passwords out of that user's browser. So then, you know, if they are potentially reusing passwords across multiple sites, they could then go log into there. So the EDR solution pulled that piece of software out. They also ripped out uh, software that was designed to um, dump admin password hashes, which is a encrypted version of your password on that system, and then use that to log into the servers and in that environment, all of their users had local admin um, on their system. So that was an extremely close call to a potential ransomware incident and privilege escalation. Um, I believe there was a couple other pieces of software that was associated with it to try and um, actually remove the EDR uh, agent. And so that was really interesting, seeing that whoever the threat actor was on that system was actively trying to remove the EDR because it kept removing their software. Um, And then I think one of the most interesting things was they actually sent an uninstall request to CIT um, to try and have us approve the removal of it. And obviously that was shut down. And then, uh, you know, we completely isolated that device off the network and had them completely re-image it. But um, that's probably one of my favorite close call stories. (laughs) 
it's definitely top there for me as well. It was funny to see the attacker um, putting on EDR uninstall applications and seeing those get ripped out. So I, I got a kick out of that looking at the logs after the fact. Um, another organization where we had another close call, um, a, uh, the second organization, a user had been receiving many multiple MFA requests. Um, got to the point where it annoyed the person enough that they then called the help desk and we found out that because of it, uh, MFA, um, the attacker couldn't get in. They knew the username, they knew the password, but they kept sending MFA calls and texts and push notifications until it annoyed the person enough to ask why this is happening. And so that created that alert there. So you know, one accidental, yes, this is me signing in, um, the attacker would have had access to do whatever they wanted to do. So yeah, in that case, um, the multi-factor was successful, but the user initially um, failed by you know, giving up their password in a, a previous incident or maybe a reuser password somewhere else. Somewhere along the lines, it was a compromised password. The multi-factor helped protect that, but then to give the user credit, even though they failed before, they were also the ones that helped bring light of the situation back to uh, the IT uh, once they were able to uh, basically rectify the the issue in the first place, right? Um, and then this is another really interesting one that comes to mind was, uh, again, a kind of third organization here. They had a compromised account. Uh, so it was one of their finance employees that had accidentally fell for a phishing email. Um, the threat actor was actually sitting in the mailbox because again, they did not have multi-factor in place. And so in these cases, the threat actor would sit in the mailbox for any given period of time. It might be a day, it could be weeks. We've seen them sit there just for months, monitoring a mailbox, just laying low, looking at all the emails that are coming through and waiting for the perfect opportunity. Uh, and so in this case, they went and noticed that um, a wire transfer hadn't been completed in quite some time. And so they reached out and said, uh, sorry, they, they spun up a domain similar to the customer and then sent a fraudulent email to them saying, we'd like to pay this or, you know, receive these funds or whatever it was. Can you please process it to this bank account? Because that's changed. Um, the, the finance individual reached out to their internal IT and said, I'm actually concerned. I think there's maybe something going on in my mailbox. And unfortunately, that IT uh, employee completely disregarded that concern and closed out the ticket uh, in their environment. Um, and then once they saw that there was a true wire transfer request, they called that company said, is this legitimate? And they said, no. Then they reached out to their IT director who then reached out to CIT for additional investigation on that. Um, but again, it was because they had did not have multi-factor, so that failed, right? The employee, again, they gave up their password and everything like that. Attacker sat in the mailbox for a long given period of time, so there was no detection on that mailbox looking for anomalous logins or anything like that. So multiple failures along the way. But And then again, the concerns to the IT that was disregarded, that was another failure. However, because that finance person had the proper procedures in place to validate that wire transfer, that was a success that made that go from a successful fraudulent wire transfer 
to our close call category. So That's really amazing. interesting. Wow, I'm hearing so. We talked a lot about close calls and and I'm hearing a lot of things like MFA and EDR and this human element. And um, as we sort of look at all of these, um, what is something, what are these key takeaways? What are the things that customers, and you've covered it a little bit, but what are the things that the customers and businesses are supposed to be doing so that hopefully this never happens? And if it does, they're in this close call category, non-successful. The one thing I want to add about Nate talking about that earlier was the defense in depth. Um, I like to call it the security onion. You know, uh, ogres have layers, security has layers. Um, you know, quote from Shrek, I guess. Um, it's it's not just one size fits all. One thing is perfect. It's going to protect you 100% of the time. You need to have an EDR. You need to have MFA. You need to have other solutions in place that are going to layer your defenses because things fail users fail you know users are the last the last point of uh defense there you know training your users uh mfa edr those types of things are very important and you can't just have one single solution ditto uh i agree uh <laughs> the i guess the biggest thing that i have is um if you go take a look at the statistics that get pushed out every single year, um, the human element accounts for about 90% of all of these compromises. So as we continue to go through um, different situations during uh, you know our cybersecurity month here, is continue to think that there is some type of human element associated with these in most of these cases, um, and. Sometimes, again, it's the the employee has actually given up a credential or accepted some type of um, multi-factor push, even though the tool is in place and they failed that. And then like I had mentioned in that last one was sometimes the human element can also be that last line of defense, like Andrew said, of when the tools and the people kind of failed along the way, or maybe you didn't have a tool in place and everything failed up to that point, they can be that last line of defense to keep you from having a major security incident because they are the ones that can at least notify you if a tool didn't notify you already. So to wrap up today, um, I'm gonna kind of open it up for anything else you'd like to share. And then I'm actually gonna ask um, a little bit of a personal question with all of these um, crazy incident scenarios we're gonna talk about this month. Why are you both in this field of work like why do you enjoy this type of work i'll let you go first nate <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering if you're gonna go um for me personally and something that i've seen at least across our team is that people who work in the cybersecurity industry tend to have a desire to be a protector um you know so Think of, you know, maybe you're in the armed forces or, you know, some type of, uh, you know, police officer or something like that. You tend to want to help and protect for the most part. Um, same thing applies to here is we like to be kind of the guardians of helping reduce risk to organizations. We just happen to be really good at technology as well. Um, and so taking that is we don't want to be the people that are 
disrupting a business um, or, you know, trying to impact it too much and say, shut everything off. That's the most secure. We're trying to keep you moving forward, but there's a passion to keep you protected along the way um, and saying, yes, you can do that, but let's take additional considerations along the way. Um, And then likewise, I think there's also just the human element is having empathy for those that are going through a very, very stressful situation. Um, I, in some of these cases, especially when we get into the true deep, you know, ransomware discussions and everything like that, we've had people crying on the phone with us, um, wire transfers crying on the phone saying, I think I might need to shut down my business. That's their lifelong work. And being able to say, you don't need to do that because we'll get you through it. Right. And being able to successfully keep their businesses afloat. Um, that is super rewarding. As far as the reason that uh, I enjoy my job is I'm very interested in how things work, um, along with what Nate said, of course, because Nate, you know, said the very. I'm very, the sentimental uh, one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I really like to see how things work and how, you know, how to protect that, as Nate had mentioned, you know, it's, it's kind of a protector mentality. Um, it's crazy what people can do without a moral compass um if some of these attackers just had that moral compass they would be amazing security professionals um but because they're incentivized by money or other malicious behaviors um they don't do it for the right reason thanks to nate and andrew for joining us this week if you enjoyed this podcast please like and subscribe If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, reach out to us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website, cit-net.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week with more incident scenarios.